Staying in Contact. I'm London Mitchell. In this installment, we continue our discussion with local teacher and author Joseph Boggs about his new book, Prohibition's Proving Ground. His in-depth look at those tumultuous years of prohibition and the role of the automobile in rum running, especially in our area of Northwest Ohio. As we heard last week, local auto manufacturers were churning out affordable vehicles and the rum runners took advantage and made bootlegging very prevalent along the Toledo-Detroit-Windsor corridor. And while the focus is on Toledo, Detroit, and Windsor, Joe tells us the city of Monroe enters into the mix often. The violence associated with the Prohibition gang wars included Monroe. Yes, yeah, I, 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 and I, I think a lot of these killings that end up, you know, being dropped off in Monroe actually don't occur in Monroe. I think they do occur on the outskirts of places like Toledo and Detroit. But it was just common knowledge, and I think of a, kind of a, a gentleman's agreement, not very gentlemanly, though, uh, between the enforcement of those cities and the rum runners who were engaged in the organized crime, saying, if you're going to kill someone, don't drop off the body here because we don't want to deal with it. So these, these rum runners essentially complied. It was kind of a behind-the-scenes agreement. They would dump these bodies off across the state line in the southern uh, swamps of Monroe County. Um, one example I can think of, in, uh, a very gruesome example, in, in November 1926, they found the lower torso uh, of, a, of a gangster in a swamp in Erie, Michigan, and they found his head in another swamp uh, off the mat, uh, he's the Matzinger Road, I think, in northern Toledo. Yeah, and they yeah. found other parts of his body along along a train track somewhere else. Uh, I think near uh, um, Old Orchard. So uh, those were the types of things that are, that co actually commonly occurred during this time period. Uh, people's bodies being found in random places, sometimes even quartered. The Toledo Detroit uh, Windsor corridor. Uh, much of that was right along Dixie Highway. Yes, yes. So the Dixie Highway was probably the most important early road of this time period. It was the only north-south road that was paved over that connected Toledo to Detroit. And it was celebrated as a huge, huge victory for commercial industry in 1918, 1919 when it was first opened. The rum runners also thought it was a great victory because now they had a direct route over land, uh, paved over, that they could quickly move alcohol between, at that time, was wet Ohio and dry Michigan, specifically from the glass city to the motor city. So yeah, the Dixie Highway is a very important road, especially in the earliest years of Prohibition. I would say probably 70% of the arrests of rum runners occur in from 1918 to 19 early 1920s about 70% of them are on the Dixie Highway because that was known as the rummers runway. You know I found one of the fascinating it's okay if I if I uh, give somebody a, a little peek into your book isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. One one of the stories I thought was really fascinating 
was when you point out that the police very often could not keep up with the uh, the rum runners. They had the faster cars. And in one instance, they, they tried to outsmart the bad guys by dropping a telephone pole across the highway. Yes. So, so that was in February of 1919. And uh, the story goes that uh, they heard about a convoy of rum runners coming up that night. So the state police are staking out just south of Monroe there. And sure enough, the time comes and this convoy of cars comes roaring up the, uh, up the Dixie Highway. They don't stop for the first signal. So they signal up the road to a second squadron. And there they're waiting with telephone poles, logs, apparently. They drop them upon the roadway. And sure enough, one of the vehicles hits it at 60 miles per hour, turns turtle. I think the Toledo Blade reports it that way. And they actually have a picture in the Toledo Blade of that of that car that turns turtle in Dixie Highway. The alcohol spews out into the streets. And ultimately, those rum runners successfully sue the state police uh, for, for a few thousand dollars for damages. So it's really kind wait, of a wait, wild, wild west scenario. Wait, wait, wait a minute. I think you, you, you have to read. The bad guys, the rum runners. Yes. Sued the police and, and won? And won court, yes. And the, the state, uh, the, the governor at the time, uh, Governor Green, was furious with what the state police had done. Uh, so there really is a, a competition over whether they should enforce the law vigorously or not. And there are some, like Henry Ford, actually, Henry Ford, you know, the car maker actually advocates for shotgun enforcement, basically shoot first, ask questions later, while other people are more cautious about what's going on. So there really is this debate about how do we how do we uh, encounter these motorists who we suspect of rum running on the roadways? Do we do it in an aggressive way or we do it in a more cautious way that might lead to, um, you know, more um, problems in regards to prohibition? The introduction to your book, you talk about all the microfilm that you looked at and, and <laughs> the days you must have spent in the local history departments at BGSU and in downtown Toledo and at U Toledo researching all of this material. And it is, <laughs> I don't think I've ever read a book that uh, is better documented with, with footnotes and references. Well, thank you. I, I do take pride in that. Yeah, I, I've always been kind of a, a serious local historian, and I, and I still teach this way where I demand that my students have their sources available. Uh, but yeah, it was, a, it was a blessing and privilege to be able to, to do some of the source work at some of these locations. The best place to do research, uh, the coolest place at least, uh, was uh, the, the old uh, attic at the Toledo Public Safety Building, Officer Beth Thiemann allowed me up there to go through the arrest logbooks to uh, kind of inspect them to see who was being arrested for drunken disorderlies and other types of prohibition era types uh, of misdemeanors and felonies. And sure enough, in Toledo in, in 1918 and 1919, the vast majority of those who are being arrested for alcohol-related crimes are Michiganders. So this is after Michigan went dry and they're coming down into Ohio to do their boozing. Yes, yes. It was it was common knowledge that if uh, you came down to Toledo, you could enjoy 
uh, beverages openly. And uh, Toledo at this time was known as kind of a, a loosey-goosey town where you could do whatever you want. And it would take a lot to get arrested. So these individuals who ended up in those arrest logbooks uh, were very, very intoxicated when they would come down. And then eventually uh, these Michiganders started smuggling on their own person and once again smuggling by motor car back up to Michigan because they figured they could make a profit by doing that. Let me put you on the spot here. Uh, as you did all this research, did you stumble on something maybe not quite as related to the prohibition uh, era that you thought was fascinating or that hmm. most people don't know about? That's a great question. Um, well, I think a lot of people know about it now because of the pandemic, but when Michigan went dry initially in 1918. There was also a great uh, pandemic going on at that time, the Spanish flu. And when the Spanish flu had erupted in Toledo, Michiganders kept on coming down expecting to purchase alcohol and smuggle it back. But some of these rum runners ran into problems because of the Spanish flu. They couldn't get alcohol at that time because bars and saloons were closing down. Um, so that was an interesting thing that I really didn't think about at this time period, how uh, a global pandemic like we just experienced recently would have impacted uh, those who were rum running. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's fascinating always to me how integrated history is, how yeah. one mm -hmm. event or activity affects another that affects mm -hmm. another. And so you can't really understand history unless you do it in a much more holistic study. Absolutely. And that's why, uh, that's why I wanted to integrate these two topics because I feel like the, the prohibition narrative uh, has been lacking because we forgot that this automobile boom, this uh, economic boom that we experienced here was happening simultaneously. And without understanding that, you don't get a full picture of prohibition itself. Uh, and as the book demonstrates, uh, these cars were essential tools for these rum runners. Uh, they used them because you got to think about it. Prior, prior to pro, prior to the automobile boom, you you would have used um, horse and buggy, train routes, that kind of thing. But the horse and buggy is too slow to move alcohol in an efficient way to to avoid detection from police. And then the train routes, they ran on schedules. The automobile itself, which is developed during this time period, allows you to choose your own schedule, allows you to go at faster rates than ever before, and allows you to choose your own path, really, with the development of new roads during this time period. That's an also another development during this time period is the, what the good road movement is what it was called. They would start to pave over basically dirt roads throughout the entire region. And this helped rum runners immensely because they could move at faster speeds and in manners that were undetectable to police officers. Your book, Prohibition's Proving Ground, Cops, Cars, and Rum Runners in the Toledo-Detroit-Windsor Corridor. I found it a fascinating read, Joe. Where can people pick up your book? So you can go to University of Toledo's uh, press 
websites. You can find it there. They're also selling it on Amazon. And I believe there are several great local bookstores that are selling it too. So uh, check out your local bookstore. And if they don't have it, tell them to start carrying it, please. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do we, do we hear about another book coming? Yet another one, one so, page a day project in mind? So there has been conversation uh, about perhaps a book that focuses in on, because there was this um, phenomena that grew in the, in, the, in the later 1920s of female rum runners. And we often overlook the role that women played as members of this organized criminal circuit. And uh, very often they were actually the ones steering during the carloads because they were not suspected of engaging in this kind of behavior. But after doing a lot of my research, I did find that women were heavily involved in the rum running trade in our region. So that might be the next one, but we'll see. I, I have a lot on my plate here at Penna and I'm, I'm thankful for my job. So I'll, I'll figure out if I can use some of my summer to start uh, working something out. Joe, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Maybe we can pick up on it and uh, chat again about uh, Toledo history, Toledo area history, and uh, and some of the things you've uncovered in, in all your research. Well, thank you, London. I would really enjoy that uh, about this book or some other aspect of history locally. I want to thank Joe Boggs for joining us. His book, Prohibition's Proving Ground, Cops, Cars, and Rum Running in the Toledo-Detroit-Windsor Corridor. That's our program for this week. I invite your comments. Log on to londonmitchell.news and please join us again next week, staying in contact.